Mike. Glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh, yeah, I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, lots of food and uh, lots of exercise to follow that. Be sure to check out our Cruise Radio News Facebook page for constant updates of cruise news that affects you. Also, our daily quick hits of the news on our Cruise Radio News podcast. Just search it uh, on iTunes or anywhere you find this show. You'll also find Cruise Radio News. On this episode, we'll get a review of Royal Caribbean's Vision of the Seas. But first, it's Stuart Chiron, the cruise guy. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good, man. How was your Thanksgiving? fantastic. Awesome. It really was nice. One of my favorite holidays. Yes, I always eat too much. Uh, cruise news here. Queen Mary 2 made her inaugural call to Amber Cove. Now, last month we saw Carnival Victory there, a couple of other ships. Now, this port is really starting to fill up. Well, I mean, these, these are pre-scheduled visits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Queen Mary 2 from Canard is the largest ship to visit uh, so far. You know, she's uh, about 148, uh, 149,000 tons. And uh, she and her passengers were uh, well received. Um, you know, as everywhere Canard goes with Queen Mary II, they they have all kinds of of celebrations. They make maritime history. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the passengers had a great time. I mean, it really is a fantastic port. They are uh, just uh, west of Puerto Plata in the Dominican Republic, and uh, you know, the passengers had the most some of the most engaging port experiences you're going to have in the Caribbean at the at the Caribbean's newest cruise port. So uh, it's, it's definitely a good sign of good times to come. Yeah, and Amber Cove is located 100 miles south of Grand Turk. Uh, what are your thoughts about this being like an exciting new destination in the Caribbean? Do you think it's so exciting? I would go on a cruise just to visit Amber Cove. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as we both experience, I mean, there's just so many activities that are, are meaningful in, in ways to meet the people, see how they live, you know, they've, they've got beaches and they've got, you know, surfing. I mean, Amber Cove itself, the facility is, is beautiful. I mean, they've got tons of shopping that uh, Carnival Corp built. They've got pools. They've got water slides. You want an over-the-water cabana uh, to just sit and relax and entertain your family or friends or a company. Uh, they've got uh, different cabanas uh, right over the, uh, the lagoon there that, uh, you know, could be enjoyed by all and beautiful views. And it's just a, a nice little area. But... You know, just just a short drive away, you'll wind up in Puerto Plata. There's tons to do, and uh, they, they've got some really stimulating excursions that are available that can really mean something. It's not just one of these plasticky ports where you just walk in and there's just you know shopping, shopping, shopping. That uh, I mean, there, there's some meaning here, and as, as we both experienced, I mean, I never, I've never seen a country get so behind a cruise line or mm-hmm. a cruise company to build a facility that uh, will be enjoyed and be so meaningful. I mean, it's already created thousands of jobs locally, and the, the local people there are just so excited to see 
each and every you know ship that comes in. I, I was going to say, I, I think it's a, just the, the port itself, just the property is awesome with the cliffs there, but you very rarely see a zip line in a cruise pier. I thought that was kind of cool, too. Yeah, that, that yeah. was new. And so and, the, the, uh, the uh, Lazy River there, all that stuff. So uh, very cool. Uh, and speaking of Amber Cove, Fathom uh, announced uh, – well, Fathom will be going there in 2016. And they announced today the details and renovations that the Adonia will be uh, getting. Now, first off, give us some background on the Adonia and talk to us about the uh, renovations. Well, she's actually the newest of the Renaissance class of ships, the R class of ships. She was the R8. And uh, she briefly uh, was with Princess, as the Royal Princess, or theoretically she was Royal Princess too for a while before moving from Princess to her sister company P&O in, in the UK. She's a 710-passenger, 30,000-ton ship, and it's perfect size for what Carnival Corp wants to do. I mean, it's not uh, 2,500 passengers; it's it's only 700, and uh, they'll probably do well. Uh, you know, around five. 50 to 600 passengers, but it's a very intimate ship. It's done exceptionally well in both the Oceana and Azamara fleets, which have uh, you know the other R-class ships. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be do exceptionally well, and it's nice to start to see some marketing opportunities. And you know they're offering an opportunity, which I mean you'll have it you know linked on CruiseRadio.net, where people can register to win a seven-night all-inclusive cruise on the maiden voyage. Mm-hmm. of Fathom's Adonia to the Dominican Republic uh, in an ocean view for two people. So, uh, I mean, it's got a value of about $3,240, and someone has an opportunity to win, you know, the maiden voyage, you know, to the Dominican Republic and, and experience what Fathom's all about. And as we both know, as we experienced when we were down there, I mean, wow. I mean, I mean to be able to make an immediate difference in people's lives, Mm-hmm. as people will do. I mean, this is not your regular cruise. This is an experience for, uh, you know, people-to-people interaction. This is, you know, they call this social impact travel, where, you know, rather than just giving your money, people are going to be able to give their time and be able to go into communities and teach English, make chocolate, and, and help people, you know, the, the poor people of the Dominican Republic have sustainable lives. And uh, it's it's a great way that each and every week, you know, passengers from the ship are going to come in and go to these programs that are already established through um, organizations like even the United Nations. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's got an enormous amount of credibility. Uh, It's very comfortable. It's very safe. And uh, it's a great way to be able to give of your life and make a difference. It's I, I think it's like volunteer tourism value on steroids. What do you think of the prices here? Like the DR prices start at 974 and Cuba at 1800. Well, I mean, you know, they're, they're two distinctly different products. The uh, Dominican Republic is, is quite extensive. They already know their costs. On the Cuba side, there are costs. I mean, remember, they haven't received their approval from the Cuban government. They've got approval from the U.S. government, but they don't have it from Cuba yet. There's a lot of intangibles. They don't know what their port fees. They don't know what the different costs of, of operation are. So right now, they're just kind of guesstimating. And, and of course, there's the, the pent-up demand for people that want to go there and uh, are ready to pay a premium price. So, I mean, they're, they're not going to offer, uh, they're not going to just give it away. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Majestic Princess, Princess Cruises' new ship, or I guess debuting in 2017. Now, she's going to be in China year-round, but she's going to do a short European season first, right? She is. Uh, she will uh, debut on April 4th. Uh, she'll do a five-night uh, maiden uh, sailing, uh, doing the Adriatic, visiting uh, Kator and Corfu. And then she's going to have a series of 7, 14, 21, and 28-night med sailings departing out of 
Barcelona, Athens, and Rome. But it is a very short season for her before she goes to China. It's going to be the first sailing uh, April 9th and uh, you know, then through May 14th. So uh, if you want to sail on the newest princess ship before uh, she heads off to China, you know, now's a good time to be uh, making those you know, reservations for, believe it or not, we're, we're talking about 2017. Yeah, yeah reservations <laughs> open uh, December 3rd for that. Exactly. So I uh, can't let you get out of here without asking you a couple of questions about Black Friday and Cyber Monday cruise deals because my email's <laughs> been blowing up about it and also Facebook and Twitter as well. So the first question we have, Stuart, is do Black Friday and Cyber Monday cruise sales, do they exist? Well, I'd say in theory, or by name, Doug, they do. Mm-hmm. And it's just the same sales over and over again. I mean, they, they slap uh, different names on it. I think next week they're going to accidentally uh, have an Easter sale, you know, that'll come in between Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we'll see an Easter bunny. I mean, someone's going to slip. But it, it, these are the same, same type of deals. The lines in their earnings calls, Carnival Corp., Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, they're all claiming and extolling, you know, how well they're doing. Prices are going up. So, as I've said for years, I mean, a lot of times, Doug, these amenities that they offer, the drink packages, there may be, you know, like with NCL, I mean, they slap you with all kinds of gratuities on top of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You just have to see if it's worthwhile to you. Yeah. You know, a lot of times they mask higher prices. It's just like, you know, with the the old trick with, do I book the cruise with or without air? And, you know, we'll price it both ways. And determine what the true cost of the air is, because most of the time you can buy the air for less than your own. Yeah, uh, uh, and go ahead. So, I mean, they are going to offer sales. Why? Because every every other industry is offering Black Friday sales. But as a lot of us have already seen, a lot of the offers really aren't that great. You know, it's not like Best Buy is offering, uh, you know, these sixty-inch uh, TVs for four ninety-nine. <laughs> right. Um, you know, people are spending a little bit more, and they know it, so they're just going to throw out a sale. They're going to call it whatever it is they're going to call it. But uh, if you look at what this sale is offering versus what it was last week and what it was you know, the week before, it's the same thing. So uh, following up with that, Thomas asks, do you have any booking advice if we do want to book a cruise for Black Friday or Cyber Monday? Well, again, just, just compare the prices. Mm-hmm. You know, research online. Look at, the, look at the pricing. Look at the deals. And, and make sure you, you know, you're booking with someone that uh, can help you. Uh, determine whether or not that's a good deal. They may be able to get you on a on a nicer ship and a nicer cabin for even less money. But mm-hmm. you know, don't don't get swept up in these sales. I, I really think, Doug, and I've I've said it for years that these sales are a lot of stuffing and not a whole lot of meat. Uh, don't get bamboozled by, you know, the, these you know the, the different kinds of amenity offers. I mean, look at what the the bottom line price is. I mean, sometimes they'll throw a drink package and you can say, well, I, but I don't, I don't drink. Well, then that drink package isn't going to be very worthwhile to you. You need but, to, you know, the, you get the, the idea is, you know, get the best ship at the best price. You need to uh, trademark that saying. <laughs> yeah, well, what, I've used it for years. So, what, what do you uh, say? It's all stuffing, no meat? All stuffing, <laughs> no meat. <laughs> you know, so, look, sometimes, you know, there, there, are, there are some really good, extraordinary deals. I haven't seen any yet. We've been talking with Stuart Shearer on The Cruise Guy. Find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at cruiseguy. Stuart, thanks for being here, man. My pleasure. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. 
six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their shore excursions through cruisingexcursions.com. Why cruising excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around-the-clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? So whether you're looking to zip line in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market-leading specialist cruisingexcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at cruisingexcursions.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. We always like to get your cruise reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net, like Lisa up in Michigan did. She just returned from an 11-night sailing aboard Royal Caribbean's Vision of the Seas over in Europe, and she joins us this evening. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Dan. Great to talk to you. Likewise. I got to say, it's about 50 degrees in Florida right now. How's the weather up there in Michigan? Oh, we just got about six inches of snow over the weekend. Yeah. Better you than me on that one. I'm going to say that. Yep. Yeah. So we'll talk all about Vision of the Seas here, but let's take a step back. And uh, before we get to the ship itself, give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail Vision of the Seas? Well, this is actually my honeymoon, and I knew I wanted to go to Europe very badly. Me and my husband had not been to Europe before, and I thought a cruise was the perfect way to do it. I love cruising, and I thought it was a great way for us to actually see Europe. So we looked at a few different itineraries. We were actually somewhat settled on a NCL itinerary, mm-hmm. and then that got canceled in the spring. And so we found the itinerary we actually ended up going on on Royal Caribbean. Were you past um, NCL cruisers before? No, we hadn't been an NCL, but there were only, for October of this year, there were only really a couple of options. Mm-hmm. So we had originally just looked at that at NCL itinerary, and I actually think ours was the one we ended up on was a little bit better. Cool. Well, you are over in Michigan. You had to get to Europe. So uh, give us a logistics there as far as getting to Europe, and did you do any pre-cruise stays or anything like that? So we flew from O'Hare to Paris and then connected to Barcelona. So that took us about, it ends up being almost a day with the time change. Mm -hmm. We left Saturday night and got to Barcelona Sunday afternoon. And our ship actually left Monday. So we didn't have a whole lot of time, but we knew we didn't need to get to the ship super early on Monday. So we planned some things to do on Monday before getting on the ship. Very cool. So you make your way to embarkation at the cruise pier. How was embarkation for you up in Barcelona? It was extremely easy. We got to the terminal probably about 1 o'clock, 1.30. Mm-hmm. And we walked right on. It probably took us 10 minutes door to door. How did you feel? I'm just curious, whenever you were checking in, as far as the English language being spoke at the cruise terminal? That was actually very easy. Our we our taxi driver had a little bit of difficulty figuring out like what terminal to take us to and then was very shocked when we 
gave him a tip when we got out of the taxi <laughs> and we were kind of getting used to the, the European thing. But everyone at the cruise terminal spoke very good English. It's funny. I, I was getting to the taxi next because I, when I was there, I took a taxi cab from the cruise pier because I got there super early. And then I went where the Christopher Columbus statue is. I don't know what that's called. Yep. But I was actually having to text my friend back here in the States who spoke Spanish and show the driver my phone. So I could tell him where I wanted to go because there was just no English whatsoever for the taxi driver there. It was uh, yeah, it's really random. <laughs> yep. <laughs> From curb to ship, how long did that take? Uh, about ten minutes. It was very fast. Cool. And as a previous cruiser, most of my cruises have been on Carnival. I mm-hmm. love Carnival, but something I noticed on Royal was this was my second Royal Caribbean cruise. I was on Royal about twelve years ago. It was mm-hmm. actually my first cruise, and. They had actually a check-in line for gold members, okay. which is something I've never seen on Carnival. So I was kind of happy about yeah, that yeah, to absolutely. be recognized as a returning cruiser. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So you get to the ship. What were your first impressions once you got uh, on board the ship? I could definitely tell that it was fairly small, but it was pristine. It was gorgeous. The atrium when you come in is very nice. Everything seems very clean. People seemed very welcoming. We could tell as soon as we got on the ship and we kind of anticipated at this time of year that it would be a slightly older crowd, Mm -hmm. but that was okay with us. (laughs) Nice. And so you make your way to your stateroom. So what kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it? We had a Ocean View stateroom on deck three. We hemmed and hot over what kind of stateroom to get after all it is our honeymoon and ended up deciding not to get a balcony and spend the money on tours and whatnot instead. And we were actually very happy with our stateroom. It was such a port intensive cruise and the temperatures weren't that high that I don't think we would have gotten that much use out of the balcony. So the ocean view was nice. We were able to see a lot out of our window Mm -hmm. arriving a little bit loud when docking, but the nice thing is we were always awake when we were docking because we were getting ready to get off the ship and go tour. Nice. As far as being in an Ocean View stateroom, did you find there was plenty of space there for you as far as for luggage and everything you had to plug in and all of that? Oh, yeah. We we did find as far as space with just two people. We were in great shape. Cool. Well, let's talk about dining aboard Vision of the Seas. And let's start at the top at the Windjammer Buffet area and we'll work our way down. So how was that area for you? The Windjammer was okay. Mm-hmm. It was about the same as the other cruise buffets that I've been to. Okay. Is it basically like a run-of-the-mill carnival buffet where it's just a couple of meats, a couple of pastas, a salad bar, and all that? Yeah. It's pretty basic. Um, you know, some hits, some misses. I felt like breakfast. Some of the time things were like cold and dry, and sometimes they were good. There's an area kind of in the solarium that had some other food that I thought was actually a little bit better. Okay. And as far as the main dining room goes, how was that for you? Um, the main dining room was good. I feel like the service was was also good. We tended to go a little bit earlier in the evening, but the food the food was good. Cool. And uh, did you have any time dining or did you do the um, early seating? So we actually got assigned early seating. I didn't really notice that we got assigned that seating. And then with our tours kind of being all over the place, we just went to Anytime Dining mm-hmm. for about three days before I realized we really <laughs> did have assigned dining. No one ever said anything to us. Nice. So we would just show up at Anytime Dining whenever. And I think we had to wait once or twice where they gave us like a buzzer. But 
they automatically seated us in the same section every time, which was nice because we got to know our wait staff. So we thought it was good. And we kind of laughed on like the third or fourth day, realizing like, oh, we actually have been assigned a table this whole time and never showed up. <laughs> with Anytime Dining, were you sitting by yourself or were you sitting with a group of people? Um, they actually didn't even really ask if we wanted to be by ourselves or with a group. And they just always sat us at a table for two. Oh, that's nice. Very cool. Did you do any specialty yeah. venues or anything on there? We did. The first elegant night, we were just not feeling getting dressed up. We mm-hmm. were still kind of jet lagged. So we decided to not get dressed up and go to Izumi, which we thought was very good. And we were the only people in there. So it was actually it was very nice. And we decided to try the steakhouse around like day eight or nine. And we loved it so much, we went back the next night. It was fantastic. Nice. And what did that, what did that run, the price? I think it was $40 a person. Okay. But you, you felt it was a good value for the $40? It was. It was the best food that we had on the ship, hands down. Did you make your way to the pizza area at all? We actually did not eat any no. pizza. I ate a couple late-night burgers, though. Oh, what'd you think? Somewhat variable. Yeah. They were pretty similar to, to most cruise late-night burgers that I've had. I, I gotta say, uh, unless it's like a Guy Fieri's burger on a carnival ship, I think cruise ship burgers are cruise ship burgers. Yeah, you know, I just had my first guy's burger earlier this year, and mm-hmm. it was fantastic. And now they're all all the other burgers are just sort of in one category of crude burgers. It was the best, three, yeah, the best three thousand calorie burger you've ever had in your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, switching gears here, let's talk about entertainment because you were on the ship for eleven nights. So, how was the entertainment, and did it vary much from night to night? So there definitely was entertainment, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the ship isn't that big. So, you know, there's a couple different music things happening. There's a show a night. So they would either do some sort of like production show or we did go see, I think, a magician one night. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a violinist another night. And then there'd be a few little sort of things here and there. They did trivia and things on like the sea days, but there wasn't ton of entertainment going on. At any one given time, there might only really be one thing happening. I got so you. So people really kind of flocked to the one thing. Was there like music around the ship at all, like bands playing here or there or the casino band or anything like that? So nothing in the casino. The schooner bar had a couple of different like a piano guy, and I think they did some karaoke, although we never made it to that. And then the the atrium definitely had bands. They do a little more like easy listening type things some of the time, which wasn't totally our thing, but people would dance like around dinner time and things like that. And they did do a couple aerial shows in the atrium, which we thought were really cool. Mm -hmm. What was the the demographic on this? Like, uh, was it, was, did it definitely skew older? Oh, average age 65. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. So it was, I think there were 11 or 12 honeymooner couples and everyone else was <laughs> almost, almost all retirees. Nice. It was okay. I think I yeah. saw five children the whole time. Yeah. Um, we, we had a great time getting to know people on our tours and things, and we were really there to spend time with each other. So, yeah. you know, it really, it worked out fine for us. It was quiet, but it was fine. Yeah. The, those older are the, uh, the, 
longer cruises definitely skew older. I was just down in Martinique last week, and I was on Anthem of the Seas for the day. And it was it was like an 11 or 12 night sailing out of New York City. So you pretty much have to be retired or taking time off for a honeymoon to enjoy yeah. that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, we banked all our time off, and a lot of the ship was staying on for the transatlantic after, which was, I think, 18 days. Wow. So they were staying on the ship for a whole month. <laughs> we weren't sure we could handle an entire month. Yeah, yeah, 16 nights was a bit uh, a bit long for me for my transatlantic so um mm-hmm. after, after the, the fourth or fifth sea day it's like where's land i want to get off the ship <laughs> the- yeah and i guess we felt like on this particular ship we would have probably gotten a little bored yeah yeah i hear you for sure uh let's talk about sea days you said this was a port intensive itinerary how many sea days yeah. did you have so we had three okay the first was after would have been four ports in a row mm-hmm. and then oh, wow. a sea day so that first sea day, we did nothing because we were exhausted. Mm-hmm. That was a welcome break. And then on the way back to Barcelona, at the very end, we got two more sea days. Okay. Very nice. And uh, as far as passenger flow, both inside and outside, how was that as far as with thousands of people being on the ship and when one confined area? Not bad. It got, because the weather was maybe like 50s, 60s, and it actually did drizzle a little bit one of the days. Most people were inside. So we really only noticed sort of crowds like in the windjammer at like lunchtime. Breakfast could get like a little bit crowded, but we really never had much of an issue finding a place to sit. I mean, I think in the entertainment places, even not on sea days, got fairly crowded. If there was a band in the atrium, there wasn't really any seating in the atrium, but that was sort of to be expected. Um, So I didn't really feel crowded. I felt like there was was plenty to do. Definitely seats taken up in that solarium area on Mm -hmm. sea days, though. Let's talk about the ports. Uh, So you hit, what, seven or eight ports on this? I think seven. So let's see. We... um, we did Villefranche, so we went to Nice that day. Then we did the, let's see, the port that would take you to Florence, and then the port that gets you to Rome. And then we did Salerno, then went around the boot to Venice, had an overnight in Venice, and then went to Cator Montenegro, and then back to Barcelona. Nice. Which one was your favorite port? I loved all of them, yeah. and I would go back <laughs> to all of them. So... I think we probably like Venice the most, but I feel like we got a really unique experience in Venice because of the fact that we got to be there in the sort of nighttime hours. And then we also got off the ship very early the next day and just walked around and felt like we got to see like what people do who live there. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit more of like a taste of what Venice is really like, I guess. Sure. That might have been my fear, but I loved all of them. What kind of excursion people are you and your husband? Are you do-it-yourselfers, or do you book through the ship? What do you do there? I've done previously all kinds of things, but all in the Caribbean, and I've had good experiences with private tours. Mm-hmm. So we did almost all private tours. We did one day on our own. So we went to Nice on our own. I had read like some Rick Steves beforehand and had some ideas of what we could do. We took the train and did that on our own. That went fine. And then Florence, Rome, and Salerno and Couture, we did private tours with people that we um, found on Cruise Critic before the trip. So it was all pretty much smaller groups. Our uh, friends as a wedding gift bought us one tour through the cruise company. So we did one tour with Royal in Venice, and that was our gondola ride. Nice. Did did you price, uh, as far as the excursions you booked on your own and through the ship, did you save a lot of money booking on your own? We saved a little bit of money, and I 
think the experience was a lot better yeah, being yeah. in smaller groups, for sure. Yeah, when you're on a cruise excursion, it's like you're being cattle herded. Yeah, and that was after doing like three days of private and then going to the ship excursion in Venice. We were so happy to do the gondola ride, but we did like the Doji's Palace before that. And it was like everything you don't like about the cruise tour happened on that tour. We were like, (laughs) this is why we did other private tours, kind of affirmed what we had chosen to do. So we really liked doing private tours. Awesome. Well, in closing here, Lisa, do you have any been there, done that tips for either the ship, Vision of the Seas, or people traveling to Europe on a cruise? I think especially for a port-intensive cruise, a smaller ship with less bells and whistles will serve you fine. I think the ship really made up for what it didn't have in, in some of the other things bigger ships have with service. The service was very, very good on this ship. We felt like the people on the ship paid a lot of attention to us and really tried to make our experience great. So it really worked for us for this cruise being port intensive. It's also fall is a great time of year to go to Europe. The weather was nice when you're touring all day. It's actually nice when it's in the 60s and not super hot. So it's a great time of year to go. We had a we had a great experience and I'd recommend the itinerary we did to anyone. Nice. Uh, As far as Americans being on this ship, was it mostly an American demographic? I think it was about 50%. Okay. And that's probably part of the reason I think it was so high may have been because of the transatlantic right after it. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Very nice. Well, what are your final thoughts of Vision of the Seas? It's a beautiful ship. It's great for the Mediterranean easy to get around and the crew is wonderful we've been talking with lisa she just returned from her 11 night mediterranean sailing honeymoon sailing aboard royal caribbean's vision of the seas congratulations on getting married and uh best of luck and all that good stuff and thank you for being on the show tonight lisa thank you very much doug cruise radio is produced weekly at the tripinsurance.com studios in jacksonville florida hear cruise radio on iHeartRadio, the stitcher radio network Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.